0: I decided a few months ago that I wanted to do an episode on today's topic. I remember. Yes. I was like, no, this would be a really interesting episode. And then some shit hit the fan, <laughs> and she is not currently in the greatest light.
1: Yeah. and She I... did some
0: Twitter fuck-ups. Yeah. Which, like, worst fuck-ups, really, are the ones that happen on Twitter. Yeah. Which, it's... why are we still using Twitter?
1: I don't... Why are we using any social media Yeah, I just want to... Bury
0: myself in the sand. And never. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> so with all the with all the uh the kerfuffle, ness hit the fan. Out, yeah, when the kerfuffle <laughs> hit the fuffle fan. Yeah. Uh, I said, oh man, now I can't do an episode on her. And Jeremy looks at me and says, why? Why? I was like because she pulled some shit and like she's probably gonna be canceled. I don't know. That didn't it stop wouldn't...
1: us before, right? And that was exactly <laughs> what
0: he said. He said, I'm sorry. How many Garbage men do you cover every week? Why can't you cover garbage women? Yeah. And I was like, that's valid. You know what you know what's empowerment? Knowing that like women are strong and can still fuck up and be garbage. Yeah.
1: Actually.
0: Saying up front, I actually don't think C is garbage and I have thoughts on the whole kerfuffle Uh that happened. But that's you're gonna have to wait till the end of the episode for that. But if anyone's tuning in and they're really (laughs) mad at her right now, like
1: Maybe we'll I get her calm you down a little
0: bit. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know, Like, I don't know. I think I think she has an interesting story, but also like you know, I I would like to address up front. I am well aware that she's a dun fucked up. Yeah.
1: So she's been wearing the dunce cap for a couple bit months. Now. Just a
0: couple months. Like ooh.
1: Yeah. She's it's it, she's she's trying. She's like got... all
0: of us, she's got smacking.
1: Yeah, it. she. <laughs> anyway, welcome
0: to Rock Candy. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Your weekly podcast bringing you little sweet treats and niblets from the world of music. And we're your hosts, I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. Yes, this week I am going to be telling you all the story of Sia. Singer, songwriter, but you don't know what her face is. Wig
1: enthusiast. Wig enthusiast. Um, Yes. I really honestly don't know, like any of her music except for that one song breathe me which i was really into in college oh
0: yo that whole album color the small one is my favorite sia album yeah it's pretty good i'll be that hipster
1: who's like um i mean like before she became really pop like <laughs> she did have some very quality music i mean actually but I'm also saying like oh yeah that album's great i only know that one song oh literally <laughs> i have really never listened i actually probably listened to the whole album at least once and i'm like no i still just like this song it's just this one that's That's it it's 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 still yeah she has she
0: has range Mm -hmm. very much so um which was fun and interesting to learn about you will discover throughout this episode that girl has basically tickled the balls of most (laughs) any music genre
1: Basically just made them into those chimes and just, like, runs her fingers across them. Yeah. Some ball chimes. She just, like, dried out some ball sacks and, like, <laughs> turned them. They're, because they're all different sizes, they, like,
0: make different noises. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. That's what happened. Ball
1: chimes. They're nice. Sia
0: makes her own ball chimes. Sia does not actually make her own ball chimes, and I may or may not have just made that up on the fly. <laughs> but what do you know?
1: <laughs> I could be wrong. She might do that. She is uh, if quirky. she does, please don't tell us. You don't need to be canceled again. <laughs> Wait, did we? Oh, I don't Sia, know. Don't if Sia has ball chimes, she does not. Do you think that's worth canceling? Because I I, don't know. I feel like I would celebrate someone. I think it's fun. It's whimsical. It's whimsical.
0: <laughs> it's whimsical. <laughs> Bowls. Uh. Speaking of whimsical or whimsical, really, uh, this week I am drinking an adorable beer called. It is.
1: Literally adorable. It is like,
0: yeah. It's called Kawaii. And it is from our favorite, Japas Brewery. The female, half Japanese, half Brazilian run company. Uh, And it's... They have delicious beer. I will support them in any beer they put out. They have
1: an IPA I actually like and would enthusiastically drink. Yeah. I drank the rest of them yesterday. So, you know. That's always good. And also, this totally makes sense because today, the day we are recording, is International Women's Day. Happy Women's Day! Happy Women's Women's! Happy ladies being ladies! Yeah.
0: Celebrating everybody. So it works. It does. We're we're also we're very cute. (laughs) We're so fucking cute. Yeah. Mm. But the best part about this can is that it is a raspberry vomiting (laughs) rainbow. because it's so fucking cute this is also an ipa a new england ipa it's not as good as um the green matcha tea one yeah but it's it's still fine like it's it's got a nice light crispness Mm. to it that i enjoy it does make it for an easy drinking ipa napa
1: if you would Mm. I, i say nipa but that's me We've I had this think, discussion. I don't think either before. are right. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not. You're not supposed to make it a word. Yeah, but.
0: I'm sure. Like, there's plenty of like beer bros out there. Like,
1: don't you say any IPA? New England IPA, God. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say nipa and because I'm it say sounds nipa. like because it sounds like nipples, and I like saying it. So <laughs> suck my dick. I don't or, care. <laughs> you know,
0: suck my nipple beer. <laughs> Whatever. Just nipples. Taste Do all like hops. of these things. That's fine. Actually, that's just what dude bros do. They just breastfeed hops out of their
1: nipples. (laughs) That's what they're for. That's what they're for.
0: I didn't. I figured it out. Could have fooled me. Well, yeah, we're five minutes in and we've already talked a lot about nipples and and nipples. So maybe we should actually get into today's topic. Okay. That's
1: fair. Yeah. Fair
0: enough. I think we've we've covered our first half of the show's worth of (laughs) nipple and ball jokes. Don't worry. Nips and balls. That's we'll, all we'll, talk we'll, about. we'll do some more. Just you you, you mm. hold
1: your panties up. I'm constantly pulling my pants up because <laughs> they constantly fall down. So that checks. Alright. Alright. So Let's tell me tell me about Sia. All right. Give me the deets.
0: Many people will tell you they want to be famous. Many performers will say they come alive when they are on stage. Many singers want to headline their own shows. Sia is not many people. Oh. Sia is someone who always knew she had something special and wanted to sing, but once she was faced with the reality that came with success, she realized it was not something she could really handle and ran away from it. Even though she took a role in the background of creating music, it wasn't long until she was once again thrust out into the crowd and asked to showcase her talents again. She took to hiding her identity on stage, but not her
1: uniqueness. It's so very James Kegel's mayonnaise of her. Oh, my God. Is it? It's very... G- yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. right. He does the same thing on stage, at least when he's with
0: Tool. That's that's fair. But I feel like he'd be a lot more pretentious about it.
1: Oh, it's James Kegel's mayonnaise. He's pretentious <laughs> about
0: everything. He's going to tell you about the Phoebe and sequence.
1: <laughs> but have you, do you know, like know about the Fibonacci sequence. No, please explain
0: it to me. <laughs> please
1: mansplain it to me because great you know, detail. Yeah. I like I like it when dudes do that. Thanks. <laughs> Nothing turns me on more. <laughs> well
0: her music, her performances, and her art are so iconic that it made everyone want to know who she is and why she hides.
1: Who is she? And why does
0: she hide? Oh. <laughs> and that is no simple question to answer. This woman has lived around the world and experienced things, both good and bad. Capital T things. Yeah, like, honestly, capital T things. Yeah. And some are never going to come close to the things she's experienced. She's a character all in herself, and no matter how you feel about her right now, her story is definitely a journey to be had. hmm So buckle up. Mm. Sia Kate Isabel Furler was born on December 18th, 1975 in adelaide
1: located in south australia so that's her real name Sia is her real name also sagittarius yes 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 mm. oh hmm. yeah she's a sagittarius i feel like every sagittarius that i've ever met
0: is like um an introvert at heart but also like
1: with extroverted tendencies yes yeah yeah. Our our lovely friend Monica is. Yeah. Jeremy is. Um, I am a cusp, yeah. so I am the same way. So mm. yeah. Meanwhile, this I'm makes just, this I'm tracks. just balls
0: out extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> no questions. Her parents were not married, just dating at the time. She ultimately took her mother's last name. Loen, which I believe is how you say her name. It could be Lone. I'm not a hundred percent sure. She was an art lecturer,
1: and her father, Phil Colson, is a musician. Phil Coulson is such a very like New York, not New York, but like United States. This man is from the United States.
0: <laughs> my name is Phil Coulson.
1: I work on Wall Street. I'm from the <laughs> United States. And I drink Budweiser beer, but I limit myself to one per night because I love my family. <laughs> like, that's, that's how I feel that's how Phil Coulson is. Well, he's not <laughs> he's at not. all. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, is Phil Coulson a dick bag? No, oh, he made mistakes. He's he's on the verge of dick bag.
0: He's definitely like got a residency right outside of Dick Bagville. He's
1: got a timeshare. Yeah, and he's yeah. he goes there once in a while. Oh yeah. Mm. So her parents
0: were the members of a band called the Soda Billy Jerks. I'm sorry, the Soda <laughs> Billy
1: Jerks. Oh, don't forget they're Australian. Uh, still doesn't make sense. That's what I mean. I mean, I listen to Case File, and they talk a lot about Australian stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what, what that is. What did you just say? I assume
0: a soda billy jerk is like somebody who serves soda to people. Like
1: I know what a soda jerk is right? because we in the United States had those also. Yes. Um, so it's got to be that. But right? I assume they're just mixing rockabilly with a soda jerk.
0: Oh, that could actually make sense because it was like kind of this weird bluesy mix of music. That makes so. sense,
1: but like weird mish weird portmanteau going on here. Mm-hmm. Very, they tried. They're no professionals like we are, but exactly. they tried. They tried. Points for trying. <laughs> Points to Gryffindor. <laughs> One could assume
0: that's where her father ended up becoming friends with other bands that would see massive success, like In Excess and Colin Hay yeah. from Men at Work. Oh,
1: oh. he's this is like a who's who of Australian, you know, 80s pop artists. I know. And Michael
0: Hutchins, who? <gasps> oh, oh. oh. I got a little, got a little, a little hot there. <laughs> Actually, he was such good friends with Colin Hay that. Sia would end up calling him Uncle Collie because like, that he is was adorable. always around.
1: I feel like he was probably a very fun guy to hang out with. Right? A very fun adoptive uncle. Yes. I feel like, yeah. She she has nothing but fond
0: memories of She's like, Colin yes, Hay.
1: Uncle Collie. I do come from the land down under. <laughs> she does, though. <laughs> Growing up,
0: Sia was constantly surrounded by these artsy types. From artists to circus performers to anything in between, her childhood was anything but normal. At a fairly young age, she decided that if she could also get involved in the arts, her parents would love her more. Oh,
1: that is so upsetting. Yeah. yeah Sia
0: suffers from probably the worst imposter syndrome I have ever seen a human being This have.
1: completely makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Girl. Shame
0: was something she felt at an early age. Whether it was from unrealistic standards she set for herself or just her shy, introverted nature, she felt the need to overcompensate, and that was how she began to develop the tried-and-true defense mechanism, self-deprecation. Yay! <laughs> so she's always ragging on herself. Yeah. And putting herself down. Despite these feelings, Sia still wanted to be a performer, and initially had her sights set on acting. She would put on plays for her parents, creating characters with silly voices and have bits of singing and dancing as well. And her parents very much encouraged this side of her, especially Phil being a musician himself. Mm -hmm. But as Sia got older, she noticed a change with her father. Um, yeah. Phil, better known as Philby, in the local blues circuit. Okay. (laughs) He would go out and play gigs, and when he would come home after late Late nights, mm-hmm. after many drinks and joints, he was a bit different. He would be angry, and as Sia would recall, he was scary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, scary angry. The next morning, he would tell his daughter he was sorry about Stan's behavior last night, giving but- his drunken alter ego a name. I'm sorry? Stan. Stan. So when he comes home drunk and high and angry and yelling and getting violent, that's Stan. This just
1: reminds me of Eminem. Yeah. I know. Stan,
0: got that's a great not, name.
1: Yeah. not a great name. Mm-mm. Not a great name. Not a great term to use to say you're obsessed with something. Sorry. <laughs> I, I know. think that term is fucking stupid. <laughs> also, Phil, calling yourself Stan when you're angry is fucking stupid. Yeah. Because that is his way of not taking responsibility for his own actions. 100%. And that's fucking garbage. Yeah. He definitely...
0: And that also like, I don't know, has always made me wonder about like the mental illness that runs through that family. But I digress. So this went on for only so long before Loan put an end to it and they split when C was ten years old. After that he moved to Sydney and saw little of his daughter. She have any siblings? It was just her. It's just her. Okay. As she entered her teen years, she began to take part in typical rebellious teenage behavior. Mm. She was smoking a lot of pot, or so she recalled, and started to listen to music to fill the silence in the house. Singing was becoming more of a passion for her than acting. At age 17, while working in a cafe, she got to know an acid, jazz, hip-hop, soul type of band. Oh, the
1: best type of band to get to know when you're 17? Their name was Crisp. Of course. (laughs) Which just makes me want crisps. Yeah, now I'm hungry. Right?
0: Every episode makes me hungry. (laughs) Look at us. At one point, they mentioned being in need of a new singer, and she volunteered, so they invited her to a practice. When she began to sing for them, they knew immediately this was going to work out. Nice. While it was undeniable she had the voice, the nerves were a different issue. Like I said before, homegirl is a shy introvert, Mm -hmm. so getting on stage in front of a bunch of strangers isn't her idea of a good time. So that's when her friends offered her a glass of wine to calm her nerves. And after that, going on stage without a drink was basically not possible.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. No way in fucking hell would I get on stage without being, like, at least one sheet. (laughs) No way. It's fair.
0: It's hard, it's scary. Yeah. Crisp became pretty big in the area, and Sia would work with them on an LP and EP. Neither really moved the masses, and after four years they ultimately disbanded. But this left Sia to work on her own music and pursue a solo career. In nineteen ninety seven she released a solo album called Only See. It didn't do much of anything really, yeah. only selling one thousand two hundred copies.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> That's that's not a lot. That's not. That's not great. She felt a big change was needed in order to have better opportunities and give herself a chance to see more of the world. Her first real love was a guy named Dan Pontifex.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm probably saying it wrong. That's <laughs> a funny name. Pontifex? That just sounds like he's a DJ and he's trying to sound real cool. Yeah. It's like, this is my DJ name. Well. Just call me my DJ name. Because <laughs> that's like who I am. That's who I really am. Pig. I'm probably saying his name super <laughs> I wrong. I don't care. Nope, this is what it is now. <laughs> he is that DJ. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so she lost her virginity to him and they were ver- very, very close. And even though they broke up after a year, they still had a great friendship. So much so that after he moved to London, she decided to move in with him. And I have to say, like, it's hard to tell exactly, like, if they were still dating because they seemed like one of those on again, off again it things. It's probably one of
1: those weird fucking relationships, yeah. you know, where you're never really together, but you're also not. Not together. Yeah. Yeah. That's what and it kind of like, sounds like from stories. Fuck buddies. But if one or the other got, like, found another love interest, the other one would be like, fine. <laughs> I guess this is nothing then. <laughs> like you're like speaking from experience
0: <laughs> here. She got angry. I'm not.
1: I'm, I'm just good at observing. There you go.
0: However, before any of this was to come to fruition, Dan would be struck and killed by a taxi on his 24th birthday. Whoa, you can't just hit
1: me with that. I did. Oh, my God. I know. And when he was
0: 24? On his 24th birthday. Holy shit. That sucks. And I don't think they ever found the guy who hit him either. Double sucks. I know. Sia was grief stricken, but still went to England and met his flatmates who were also devastated by his loss and welcomed her into their lives with open arms. She soon moved in with them. So he was killed in Australia? No, he was killed in London. He had moved to London before Sia did. Right. And Sia was like, I'm going to come. I think the basic plan was I'm going to do a little bit of traveling and then I'm probably going to settle in London either okay. with him or near him. And he was killed before Yeah, she like there. right before she got there. Gotcha. She was like traveling, wow. I think, somewhere else and then heard about him dying and basically came back to Australia and ultimately decided to still at least go to England. Mm-hmm. And like I said, met his flatmates. They actually all... Really bonded and got uh, pretty close. So. Yeah. Yeah. They would um, eventually say, like, yeah, if you want to live with us, you can live with us. Yeah. It was kind of sweet, even yeah. though it was from a terrible, shitty place. Yeah. Together, they would weather the loss with compassion and also booze. So much booze. All the booze. Sprinkle some drugs mm. in there for good measure. Now she was on the long and patchy road of substance abuse that would come to define years of her life. Mm. Since she was in England, Sia still set out to do what she had planned, work on her musical career. One day, a friend invited her to come sing at a local jam session. They say she went up on stage, fueled with liquid courage, and after belting out a sweet, soulful jam, a man in the crowd immediately stood up and said, you're with me. And that's how she got... <laughs> she's like, no. I Fuck I you. When I read this story back to myself, I'm like, "That sounds shitty. Than it was. Yeah. Um, but that's how she got her first manager. I couldn't find his name anywhere, but apparently she he was soon fired after she discovered he was a Coke dealer.
1: I was going to say, like, he must not have been that important because no, you don't even know what his name, his name is. But yet still, he had connections that opened a couple doors for Sia.
0: She got herself a spot doing some backup vocals for the band Jamiroquai. No shit. Yeah shit.
1: Wow. Although
0: apparently those tracks were never released. Oh, well, of
1: course. Yeah, right. What up, Jamiraquai? Yeah, I still I still I'll still vibe to their shit. More like Jamiroquitin on Sia. <laughs> oh my god, get <laughs> out! <laughs> soon after
0: she would catch the ears of a British group called Zero Seven, who would soon ask her to provide vocals on their debut album. The album Simple Things did quite well in the UK, and the single she was featured on, called Destiny, would peak at number 30 on the UK charts. Not bad. Not bad. In 2000, Sia got herself signed with the label Dance Pool, which is a subsidiary of Sony Music. The next year she would release her technically sophomore album? Hmm. It's called Healing is Difficult. The first single release, taken for granted, reached number ten in the charts. So at this moment, her voice was getting quite a bit of yeah. work around the airwaves.
1: Yeah. England was knowing what was up. They were. They usually do. More than we do. Yeah. We're quite stuck in her ways.
0: <laughs> mm. The album was a deep look at Sia's grief, especially with her dealing especially her dealing with the loss of Dan. The lyrics in the opening track fear go quote and sometimes I worry my boyfriend might die my first love is already dead yikes yeah it's whoo it's a heavy album it's good but it's heavy
1: yeah it's
0: a lot even though her single did well and critics were pleased with her talents and candid candidness things still did not work out with her label or manager and both were dropped and she signed with another subsidiary go I'm sorry (laughs) Go beat. It's <laughs> go exclamation point. Exclamation point. point. Beat. But so go. Go beat. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, that's silly.
0: Yeah. What are what are these names? I don't know. British. But they are they're a part of Universal Music Group. Okay. A couple years later she would release the album Color the Small One, and all the tracks were co written with the help of producers and even American rock star Beck.
1: This makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What? Wait. When was this? What era of Beck was that? This was like mm, mid aughts. So like bef- before e ePro. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say super... somewhere like kind of relatively close to ePro, which yeah, this makes sense. It was like 2005 ish. Yeah, I'm gonna say yeah, I'm gonna say that's the era. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I'm going to say. All right. I will agree with that sentiment. Yeah. This all makes sense because I was pretty <laughs> into Epro at that time. All right. I like I re- I actually really liked that album. I'm not a big Beck fan. A big Beck fan. Not a big Beck fan. I'm a, I'm a moderate Beck fan. Yeah. I like him. Maybe we'll do an episode on him someday. That should be fucking oh, interesting. that should be
0: fucking interesting, <laughs> but we are not talking about Beck. We're talking okay. about Sia. She began to hone in on her songwriting style. When presented with an instrumental track, she would just sing a bunch of gibberish to create the melody and let the words come to her as she sang it. And as she would keep going throughout her career, so many people who have worked with her are like, it's kind of amazing to watch her work because she just like gets into a zone and then just can shit out a you song. You
1: literally see a song manifest itself yeah. in real time. She's very talented when it comes to that.
0: A series of singles were released, and while most managed to drop within the top 100, Nothing very big happened with them, and once again, Sia was left feeling disheartened that she wasn't doing better. In 2005, over a year after the single's release, Breathe Me was featured in the season finale of the HBO show Six Feet Under. When first released, this song only hit number 71 in the UK charts, but after this, when it got played on Six Feet Under, the Mm -hmm. whole world was finally catching on to this amazing voice.
1: I mean, Six Feet Under had some pretty good music in it. I never watched it. I didn't either, but I remember like hearing about like the soundtrack oh, okay. or whenever something was featured on it, it was like- A big deal. It was a big deal. Oh, all right. On, on MySpace and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The song
0: was written after Sia attempted to take her own life by overdosing on Valium. After taking twenty-two pills, she Jeez. went to sleep, only to wake up and discover it was not as easy as that. Yeah. Later, she would say you can only commit sleep on Valium, but I don't think that's true. So please don't take Valium on unsubscri- prescribed. Just don't. I'm pretty sure you. Don't do it. And it. I'm pretty sure you can overdose on it. So just don't. Don't it's do a it.
1: Class one or class two narcotic. Um, you can overdose and die on it. Yeah. Especially if you mix it with alcohol. So don't fucking do that. As we continue on this episode,
0: I I like Sia. I find her charming. But don't ever take medical advice
1: from her. Because I think <laughs> she doesn't understand she, how drugs yeah, work. Yeah, no. like The reason they are classified as narcotics is because they can kill you. Yeah. Period. I mean, her,
0: once in a while, your body just knows to fight back. And if anything, it just probably woke her up and said yeah no get up puke you know no right not it, doing this it
1: really depends on what your body really wants to do yeah. at that point mm-hmm. so sometimes it will work sometimes it's like nope get the fuck up and puke us out of here yeah <laughs> like-
0: but either way you know please don't overdose on volume just don't do it just don't do it thank you the single would be re-released and become a hit Over here in the U.S., it would sell 1.2 million copies. Sia was finally seeing the success she was striving for. However, she was not prepared for the baggage that came along with it. Yeah, being a celebrity sucks.
1: Yeah, she's
0: (laughs) discovering that. Mm. By now we know this singing siren is not really big into being center stage. Touring was not something she was interested in doing. But we also know that this is pretty much expected for any musician. Which is
1: kind of bullshit, though, because, like, it's not really expected for every musician. And there are some musicians that can really get away with not touring ever. Right. But it's mostly male musicians that can Mm -hmm. get away with not touring. I think it also depends,
0: too, on, like, the level of money and success you're looking for.
1: Because I kind of feel like because male musicians... Still get more promotion. They still Mm -hmm. get more press. They still get more interviews, more magazine covers, more everything like that. They have more of an ability to um, be stay-at-home musicians. Yeah, You know? They don't have... Some of them don't have to tour so much. Well, I
0: mean, slight spoiler, but Sia will find workarounds as well. Right. But
1: she probably had to do a hell of a lot more to find those. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, this was a fact her manager, David Enthoven, was sure to point out to her. And even though she agreed to her obligations for live shows, she was not cooperative when it came to promoting the tour. She hated doing the radio interviews, the 15-minute spots, bullshitting the same questions over and over again with your morning commute radio DJ. Fucking
1: sucks. Sucks. Especially when you imagine. have to... Like, do interviews with all of those shitty fucking Humans. morning DJs. Oh, my Weenie God. In <laughs> Weenie in the butt.
0: Weenie in the butt. Through all of this, Sia struggled. Her anxiety and depression worsened, and her main coping mechanism became drinking and drugs. Later in interviews, she would admit that when it came to drugs, she would try anything except heroin and meth. Oh, here we are. Day one. Day one. No (laughs) heroin incident. Well, how about that? Thank you, (laughs) Sia. Thanks, Sia. She didn't even realize that she was an addict because everyone else around her was the same way. She believed it was just how every musician dealt with their issues. Even sex became something she would be somewhat addicted to. Anything to keep her focus away from the stress of touring. She actually does later on say, like, she's had a lot of health problems, and she's like, I'm just really amazed after everything I did back in the day that I don't have STDs. Yeah, she's <laughs> fucking
1: lucky. Yeah. Holy shit. Seriously. I mean, considering all of us pretty much have herpes, like... Everyone has herpes. Everybody has herpes, guys. But, like, guys. you're born with them, basically. Yeah, like, it's Coal fine. source. It's kind yeah. of like, just like, if you have had chicken pox, you Pretty much have the shingles inside of you. Ew. It's just waiting to be awoken. No, please don't wake up. Stay awaken, asleep. Awaken, awaken. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, we all have fucking herpes anyway. So, yeah. I the fact that she thinks that she doesn't have any STDs, she just might. She don't know. That's true.
0: There's a part of me that doesn't blame her for falling down this classic trope. At this point, she was becoming recognizable to the public. One day, she was having lunch with a friend who was giving her the terrible news that they had cancer. Soon after this bomb was dropped, a fan came up to see her and asked her for a photo.
1: Jesus. And she
0: was like, yeah, I think this is it. I think I'm done with this bullshit. Fan yeah. Shit. I totally understand right. that. Right. Because it's like, you can't get too mad at the fan. They don't know what just happened. But then also it's like... It's like, I'm
1: going through a thing. Yeah. Can you just not?
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I can't even imagine. With that, the fear began to affect her worse than ever before. She said that was enough and no longer wanted to be recognizable in public. She longed to have her private life back. On stage, she began to dress herself and her band in all black with masks. She hoped this would make it harder for people to identify her on the streets. By that time she began to work on her album. Some people have real problems and she had moved to New York City. The name for the album came from her desire to not become an asshole if she did manage to get rich and famous. <laughs> Later she would say, "Quote, but I am one," so it didn't work. <laughs> Self-deprecation. Yeah. This would be the first of her albums to reach the Billboard 200, debuting at number 26. Critics were mixed, Um, but the usual suspects, Rolling Stone and Pitchfork, were to blame.
1: Yeah, I mean, Rolling Stone and Pitchfork can just get fucked. Honestly.
0: Commercially, Sia was seeing more fame, and it just continued her drug and alcohol abuse to an extreme. But if that wasn't enough, she would get some news about her health that explained some of her mental state as well. Firstly, she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Years later in interviews, she would say this was caused from smoking too
1: much pot when she was a kid. Nope, that's not how it works. I mean,
0: I did a little like a very surface level amount of research on that. And I guess what it is, is if you do smoke a lot of pot when you're younger, you can aggravate bipolar that's like already existent in you.
1: Okay, but it's not a cause. No, it's that's DNA, honey. Yeah, it's just, you know, an aggravating factor. Yeah. And I mean, quite frankly,
0: with her dad's whole, you know, Stan personality, it's like, I mean, that's why I wonder what the family, you know, mental health is like. Yeah. Despite getting treatment for that, she was still dealing with high anxiety and paranoia. A doctor then discovered she was suffering from Graves' disease, an autoimmune disease causing her to become hyperthyroid. So, she was then put onto a cocktail containing an absolute slew of drugs like Xanax,
1: Oxycontin, antidepressants, and more. Okay. First of all, you're on Xanax and Oxycontin at the same time? Mm -hmm.
0: What? This is like 2010, I think. This is like the peak of people just like. Getting pumped with opioids. <laughs> Peak big pharma. Peak Just, big pharma. <laughs> um, but also like, it's like and she's still drinking and everything else. This
1: is so bad. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Mm-mm. But also like, what the fuck do you need the oxycontin for? I don't know. That's for that's like pain. for people with extreme pain.
0: Graves disease can cause some pain. Um, hyperthyroid can definitely cause like joint pain and stuff. Hearing all of this, it's really hard to believe that Sia was still busting her ass on the regular to make music. Yeah, how can you? I don't know. How how you do this? Well, probably because she had such crazy anxiety, she's just always awake. Yeah. Yeah. Not just for herself, though. She was also making music for others. She was approached by Christina Aguilera to help write ballads for the pop star's sixth album,
1: Bionic. This was the first time any mainstream artist approached her. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this... Ho- I have always had this impression that Sia has been a uh, an artist making music for other artists, like, for 20 fucking years. Same. But, but she was making really? her own music for a while.
0: And oh. it wasn't until around the late aughts that she
1: even discovered that writing music for other people was possible. Right. Yeah. Because, like... When she became popular, when people rediscovered her, basically, mm-hmm. everyone was talking about her like she's been this songwriter, like she's been the fucking Diane Warren of like <laughs> her- the new millennium or something this whole time. Mm. I, huh, think- I think people crazy. do,
0: unfortunately, discount her earlier years doing music.
1: Yeah, they really do. It sucks. But I mean, hopefully
0: more people look into it now. I don't know. Happy to work with Miss Aguilera. Sia wrote a few tracks that were featured on the final product and assisted with vocal production. Clearly, this team-up worked out because a year later, she was asked to write a song for the soundtrack to the film Burlesque, starring both Christina and Cher. For that, she wrote Bound to You, which would be nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Original Song. What? Yeah. (laughs) Well, good for her. It was the only good thing that came out of Burlesque. Yeah, I think so. June of 2010, Sia released her fifth album, We Are Born, and fans saw a drastic change in her style. I mean, it's true. We are born. We are born. Her normally slow, jazzy soul ballads were taken a backseat to quick, tempo, upbeat dance tracks, and this was probably due in part to listening to much more dance music, thanks to her relationship with J.D. Sampson, member of La Tigra and
1: Men. (gasps) La Tigra. Yeah. Their story is, it's a pretty dated, it's, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure JD was the one I had a crush on when I was in college.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But. Super cute. This is great because their story is a pretty dated meat cute. If I've ever heard one, you'll love it.
1: I'm going to love it.
0: I know you're going to love it. So Sia discovered JD on MySpace.
1: (gasps) I'm like. Having, like, waves of college time just I know. wafting you're over just, me. You're
0: just in a burrito of happiness Somebody and
1: get me a studded <laughs> belt and a pair of flares because, god damn it, it's college all over again.
0: <laughs> well, so she saw her profile and thought, oh, he's cute. And then after a little more research, thought, oh, she's cute. The two had never met, so Sia needed to think of a good way to get in the same room. Mm -hmm. She decided to hire JD to DJ an after party for her. At the event in question, she told JD she was totally crushing. I mean, I get it. JD is adorable. I know. So cute. Unfortunately, JD was taken at the time, so Sia told her to give her a call if she was ever single again. And one day, she was. And they started dating after that for a few years. That's adorable. It's so fucking cute. I love it. And their relationship seemed a loving one. And they were also very supportive with each other's musical projects. Sia said the song, You've Changed, was written about J.D. being a quote-unquote bad boy. <laughs> it's a cute song about this heartbreaker changing their ways after meeting the right person. Aww. I know. They even like talked about having kids together and stuff. Like They were super Aww. cute. But they only dated until 2011. Oh, They broke up on Amicable. Yeah. They, they were still friends afterwards. Mm-hmm. Sia is very much that person who, like, will break up with somebody, but, like, really insisted on still being their friend. Yeah. So.
1: I mean, Sagittarius, man. You're right.
0: I could be friends with everybody. Yeah. I think everyone can agree things may be going better than ever for you in your life, but you can still be utterly miserable. And a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Sia still felt trapped by her rising fame, her addictions were no longer a comfort to her, and her fragile mental state had her at an all-time emotional low. So one day, she decided she needed a plan for the end. She called up a drug dealer and asked them for two of everything, sans heroin and meth. Hmm. Some time passed, and she decided it was time to put those drugs to use. Her plan was to check into a, motel- a hotel and overdose. She didn't want anyone coming across her body without warning, so she wrote notes to the staff that would alert her to the body and that they should call an ambulance and not enter her room. Jesus. Right? It's like, I'm suicidal, but I'm still really, like, thinking way more about everyone else than my needs and what I should, yeah, Yeah. be doing for myself.
1: But at the same time, also not thinking about, like, you're, you're thinking about other people and how they're going to find you. But not thinking about other people and how they're going to live without you. Right. Well, because that's what that's, depression does to that's you. That's what mental health and mental health issues do to you. Yeah. It that, tells you lies. Yeah. And makes you think about the wrong things, really. Yeah. And, you know, eh, I'm not going to get into <laughs> it.
0: So she penned a letter to her dog walker asking them to please take her two dogs who were her fur babies.
1: See, like. That's the thing like she will write a letter to a dog walker and be like can you please take my dogs right and like make all these plans and make sure everything is like laid out but it's like it doesn't fucking matter yeah it doesn't matter because everybody's life is going to turn upside down yeah it doesn't matter how much you plan that's going to make you feel better. And justify your reasoning for doing this. And you think, like, this is going to make it easier on everyone else. It doesn't make anything easier. It's not, though. The fact that you are gone makes everything horrible. Yep. Period.
0: please, please, if you're in a bad place, just remember, it's going to be a lot worse for everybody if you're not here. Yeah. So, before she left her apartment, she received a phone call from a friend and when she picked up, her friend greeted her with Squiddly diddly do, which before getting lost in her depression was actually the way Sia would normally answer the phone. She would go Squiddly
1: diddly do. That is so weird. <laughs> I know. She's so weird. And awkward. I know. I love it. It's and so like, cute I can't even weird. be mad at it because it's so cheesy. I know. <laughs> like, can you
0: imagine being friends with Sia and like, I know she's going to fucking do that squiddly diddly do. thing. I would thing. get
1: so angry.
0: I know. But you'd also, like, be like, wait, That's... you didn't squiddly me. What's
1: up? Yeah. Are you Yeah, okay? you didn't diddly do. Like, what the fuck is up? Are you squiddly all right? do. what the fuck is up with you? <laughs> Squiddly-diddly, <laughs> don't.
0: <laughs> but this stopped her in her tracks. She thought to herself, there's a world out there, and I'm not part of it, and I might like to be. Yeah. After that, she contacted a friend who she knew had gone through rehab and was always kind of subtly offering to bring Sia to an addiction program. Mm-hmm. So she was like, "Let's do this."
1: Hey, that's the correct um,
0: reaction. Reaction. That's yeah. the correct.
1: This is the right way
0: to do sequence it.
1: of events here. Yes.
0: From there, she started going to twelve-step meetings and working herself towards sobriety, but that wasn't the only thing that needed to change. She needed to get her life under control as well. And with that, she fired her manager, David, and replaced him with Jonathan Daniel.
1: Uh, For a hot second, I thought you were going to say Jonathan Davis. And I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. She was like, I really need this white boy (laughs) dreaded. I really need corn in
0: my life, guy. It's healthy diet fiber, man. You know what? All day, I do
1: think about sex. So... (laughs) Maybe I need to go to rehab. And Jonathan Davis is just the guy to help me out. There you go. (laughs) Jonathan
0: was a welcome change to see his life. Instead of pushing her to tour, he pushed her to live her best introvert life. He suggested that instead of writing songs for herself, why not write them for other pop stars? This way, she still has her creative outlet, but she's not expected to have any of the obligations of a pop star, still
1: making that cash money, but you don't have to be the face.
0: Yeah, Sia basically said like she just wants to find a way to make money and still just be able to sit home and watch TV with her dogs.
1: Yeah, that's the fucking dream. That's at what that's what everybody is doing right now. That's the dream. And I got to do that for three months during the beginning of the pandemic in twenty. 20- Twenty, mm. and I was like, "This is fucking fantastic!" And then I had to go back to work. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that. I don't know what that's like.
0: Sia <laughs> was dubious. She was afraid no one would understand her quirky style or be interested in it. Jonathan explained that nowadays people just wanted simple pop songs based around a single con concept. You know, something that's like Googleable, basically. Yeah. So she asked him, "So what? Something like?" piggy bank like i'm not your piggy bank and he said yeah no precisely that's it yeah
1: just picture ariana grande in your head and anything that would come out of her mouth but i also was like i'm not your piggy bank is a really good pop lyric kind of right i'm like i Mm -hmm. could
0: see that it wasn't long before she became a sought-after songwriter in the music biz in 2011 she already had a huge hit with her own vocals to boot a feature that pissed her off greatly what so here's the story She was asked to write a song for David Guetta, who was also trying to find the best vocals for the
1: track. Who is David Guetta? You know. I do not know. David Guetta. He does all, like, the the EDM. This is exactly why I don't know who David Guetta is. He does
0: Titanium, which is the song I'm talking about. I don't know her.
1: Okay. Well, whatever.
0: So Sia actually wrote it with Katy Perry in mind. But she thought it sounded too much like fireworks, so she declined. Then she was told it was for Alicia Keys. Then Mary J. Blige, who did record a version that ultimately got leaked, but Geta said it should have never been heard. I listened to it. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I think Sia's vocals are better. Yeah. But it's also not a song, I think, that's really written for Mary J. Blige.
1: Mary and J. J. Blige say- and and
0: Sia are two very different mm. artists. And that's not to say she didn't do a great job with it. She did. Yeah. Her voice still sounds amazing. But it, it, it misses that hit. That's yeah. all. Ultimately, Geta didn't vibe with anything. So he ended up just using Sia's demo vocals instead. Like, just the demo tape. Mm-hmm. Except, uh... He never asked her if he could do that. No. So after it's released, she's getting all these messages from friends, excited about her new single with David Guetta. And she's just left feeling confused and kind of embarrassed. Yeah. She worked so hard to be a credible artist. And then she worked hard again to keep herself to just songwriting behind the scenes. Like, she's just, like, constantly trying the new things. So she could just be happy. She didn't want to be featured on this in what she deemed as a cheesy pop house song. Admittedly, though, she couldn't deny the money she was getting from the song. Yeah. She could finally that. afford a
1: house. Yeah, then there's that. Yeah.
0: After that, she seems to have taken a more hands-on process when creating songs. She has people in mind when she writes the songs, and if they pass on it, she tries to have a say in who ultimately is going to end up doing it. Mm-hmm. It's only been to her benefit. She has written fantastic songs for the likes of Britney Spears, Beyonce, Neo, and of course Rihanna with diamonds.
1: Mm. Okay. Do you know that song? Uh, probably if I heard it. Shine bright like a diamond. Uh, Shine bright like a diamond. Uh, maybe. I don't know that. I don't know We're her.
0: Beautiful like diamonds in the sky. Yeah. I'm I'm real Mariah
1: Carey about all of these songs. (laughs) I do not know her. Look, I know Breathe Me. (laughs) That's all you're getting from me. I don't even know Chandelier, so. Sorry.
0: (laughs) For a few years, she was happily living with her dogs, rarely going out except to walk them, or if she had to go out for some business purposes. I feel that. Mm. I feel you, Sia. Mm -hmm. I get it. She was still writing music, but now on her terms. However, she was contractually obligated to put out one more album in order to get out of her artist contract. Mm -hmm. Because she just wants a contract as a songwriter. Mm -hmm. But she still has to finish. I didn't even realize this was like a thing. It's like, but you still have to fulfill the you being the featured artist. Right. Contract. Which I was like, oh, well, that's bananas. Yeah. It's not. It actually makes sense. Contract
1: is contract. You got to fulfill it. All
0: right. She put out the album 1,000 Forms of Fear and wiped her hands from singing. Except then there was that song that everyone liked. That one that was a hit on the airwaves. You couldn't get away from it. With a fascinating music video that piqued everyone's curiosity about this quote unquote unknown artist. That, that Chandelier song? Is Chandelier! That nope. <laughs> Chandelier peaked at number 8 in the U.S. Billboard charts and saw similar success around the world. And now Sia was at risk of losing all the anonymity she just worked for to keep her stable. (laughs) Of course, the music. (laughs) Her success just keeps fucking her over every time. (laughs) Because like, I get it because there are plenty of songwriters who are fucking making bank and no one knows who the fuck they are. And that's what she wants. She's like, that's what I want. And then it's like oh, okay, I guess you can use my fucking vocals. I guess, all right, I hear I'll throw away this song. Oh, okay, cool. Everybody really likes it. I mean, that's great, but also, like, can you But also, you leave not? me alone. Yeah, I feel like she's very much a, I want to be an artist, but I want you to leave me alone. Yeah. But I do also feel like she doesn't understand, you're an artist, you'll never be left alone. Right. Yeah. Of course, a music video was expected, and she didn't want to show her face. Fortunately, she was struck with a genius idea. When she was watching Dance Moms. She, wigs! <laughs> wigs! She is a huge reality TV junkie. One of the young girls, Maddie Ziegler, caught Sia's eye and she felt like she could see the PTSD starting already in this 11 year old girl and wanted to take her out of this environment. Oh God. Yeah, Dance Moms. Dance
1: Moms was horrible. It's period. disgusting.
0: I can't. Ugh. So she hired Maddie to dance in the music video for Chandelier. And soon after that, this young girl became her muse, dancing on stage for television performances while Sia stood off to the side, singing with a massive wig on. Wigs. Yeah. This way, not only can Sia hide herself, but can distract the audience with this girl's amazing dancing. I mean, yeah, she's 11, but she is also, like, a fantastic dancer. Yeah. The two have become something of a mother-daughter relationship. Sia has gotten some criticism for hiring such a young girl to perform, accusing her of putting the same stress on
1: Maddie mm, that she's had to go through no because like first of all Maddie was on dance moms you should be angry about the fucking dance moms people and mm-hmm. was it Bravo that I think, it's, I think Bravo, it's Bravo that airs this show yeah that's who you should be fucking mad at if Maddie wants to do this and it's fun for her and she's having a good time let her fucking do it exactly. And if Sia is actually, like, having a mother-daughter kind of relationship with her, then obviously she's looking out for her and wouldn't put her into any stressful situation that she wouldn't want to be in. So shut the fuck up. This is not a thing. She (laughs)
0: actually stopped Maddie from getting on a plane to go see Harvey Weinstein. Holy fuck. Sia is doing good things with this girl. Okay. She's like... She apparently, Maddie was asked to go to like a meeting with Harvey Weinstein, something about a movie or TV show. No. And Sia, and I think even Maddie said to Sia, it feels weird and off. And Sia said, if you don't feel good about this, then don't go do it. I don't think you should get on that plane.
1: So she did not. Listen to Mama Sia. Yes, that's right.
0: (laughs) Weinstein was sending out a private jet for her.
1: Mm. More like a private flying fuck palace. For an 11-year-old girl. Ugh. Like, that's was, I think she was, like, um... For an you know, extremely, extremely underage girl. Yes, for an
0: underage girl. For any woman. You know? For anybody, any person. Anybody, anyone. Anyone. Like, Harvey Weinstein shouldn't be around anything. No. Not even he the fucking... He shouldn't be
1: around a fucking broomstick. Like, just... <laughs> yeah. Don't. Nothing. Just Nothing. don't. No. no. Don't. No.
0: Thank you, Sia. Thank you for doing yeah. that. And even Sia herself has questioned, you know, and thought about her motives and worried about Maddie's health. But this girl seems to be more than happy to be out of that dance mom crap and performing with this pop star. I would be too, because dance moms is fucking horrible. Seriously. They clearly share a close bond. And as Maddie has gotten older, she is still frequently seen by Sia's side, both on and off stage. She's 19 now. Oh, wow. So, I mean, she's God, was so long ago. I know.
1: <sighs>
0: but like she she's capable of making her own choices. Yeah. You know, so she's got to respect it. Controversy got kind of a controversy, though. Mm. When Sia's music video for Elastic Heart came out, she cast Maddie alongside Shia LaBeouf to dance. Oh, no. Oh, wait. <laughs> out of the wait. frying pan
1: into the fire.
0: But oh, my God. Wait. They did a dance fight in a cage with both wearing nude suits and many accused it of having pedi... Piedi- Why can't I say it? Pedophiles. <laughs> Pedophile.
1: Pedophilic. pedophilic,
0: pedophilic. <laughs> I don't. You know what? I can't say it because it's gross. Pedophilic. Pedo vibe. It had pedo vibes apparently because yeah. it's like a an full grown man and a young girl. But I mean, I watched the video. It, it it's she- not sexual in any way, but I can understand why some people would be uncomfortable.
1: I get that. But and I, also Shia LaBeouf. Well, I
0: think mostly Shia LaBeouf.
1: Shia the beef is just uh, oh. Ugh.
0: Sia immediately apologized that the video upset viewers. She really intended for it to portray the two sides of Sia that are always at war with each other. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to trigger anybody. But also Maddie was of age. No, no, no. This was when Maddie was like 13, 12, oh. 12 or 13. Elastic oh. Heart came out in like 2014.
1: Oh, okay. 2013. I'm sorry. Take that back. Pump the brakes, roll it back.
0: She was young. She was, I would say, still prepubescent. Yeah. Or maybe just pubescent. I don't know. But now that I've brought up the beef, it should be noted that recently it came out that Sia apparently dated this guy later down the road. This came out just last December when- Did she? Well, yeah. Apparently it was secret. Because- This came out Mm. just last December when FKA Twigs went public with her story dealing Mm -hmm. with sexual assault and battery at the hands of the beef while they were dating. Mm -hmm. Sia supported FKA and shared her story of when- remember hearing this. When the beef conned her into having an adulterous relationship with him, and I'm pretty sure it was while he was dating FKA Twigs. Yes. Because, like, they talked about it and they, like, figured out, like, when it was happening and, like, oh, fuck.
1: Yeah, FKA Twigs, didn't she- talk to other people that he was having Mm -hmm. relations with yeah while they were together and all of them realized yeah this guy is a fucking piece of shit we need to band together yeah i mean at this point he is basically like he's a pathological liar and he's sick and he needs help yeah i'm really glad to see that the women that he was using are banding together and supporting each other instead of Doing the typical thing that everybody wants them to do, which is fight and, and hate each fight other. and claw each other's eyes out in a cat fight, which is just so fucking stupid. yeah, no, they need to support each other, and they're doing that that's yeah, great.
0: that's it's it's a very heartwarming thing to see come out of such a shit scenario, yeah, so I'm good. Mm. She was also going to cast him in the lead role of her film Music. But as she realized how toxic he was, she sacked him and ended up Kate, casting Kate Hudson. And hold your butts about music, I'll get to that. This isn't, this isn't the time. <laughs> Throughout the aughts and into the te- 2010s, Sia tried to have a relationship with her father. But this was no easy feat, as he was clearly jealous of his daughter's fame.
1: What? So, You're not even
0: proud? You're fucking jealous? <laughs> so, according to Sia, on, Phil. and Phil denies this, once she offered to be on one of the records he was working on, And he gave her a big fat no, telling her, quote, it's my record and you're not on it. Dick. Yeah. Sobriety gave her a newfound confidence. So she decided to start writing him letters, calling him out for leaving her when she was just a kid and making no secret of her resentment towards him. Yeah. It took a few years, but slowly Phil saw how much he fucked up with his daughter. And since then, they have built a relationship back up. Mm. And there's pride now and there's, there's, you
1: know... I'm, I'm still convinced he is the jerk of the Soda Billy jerks. So <laughs> He's the jerk of the Soda Billy jerks.
0: I'm going to be the Billy.
1: <laughs> I'll be the soda. I'm the Billy. I'm, I'm the, the jerk. jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I fucking love
0: it. <laughs> With the success of her sixth studio album, Sia had no choice but to embrace her stardom. She would do it on her terms, though. Touring isn't really something she does. She'll do live performances here and there, but being on the road isn't on the table. And wigs became her iconic signature look. Ridiculously huge wigs that cover half her face. She wears them when she's performing live and on TV interviews. Like, they have to walk her to spots. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. (laughs) She says this gives her a chance to live a somewhat anonymous life and avoid being recognizable on the street. But I feel like now she's getting a little bit more comfortable, mm-hmm. at least since quarantine, because the interviews that I found with her, it started out a lot of them with the wigs. But I've seen a lot of them now, too, where she's not wearing wigs and she lets her face out. Yeah.
1: Just lets her face out. Yeah. <laughs> lets her face out. <laughs> just let let it all face out takes it for puts it on a leash takes it for a walk letting it i'm just letting my face she out for she like just throws a it in the backyard
0: going to let my face she out for she just doesn't a have
1: time for a full on walk just toss it in the backyard Airing
0: <laughs> out her face
1: when she's like you know i just need to let it breathe i've just been shut up in this you know apartment all winter i have to let my face out and breathe
0: <laughs> not long after a thousand forms of fear came out Sia said that she had enough material for two more albums. They were mostly songs that she had written for other artists, and for various reasons, they just never came to fruition. She had no intention of releasing any more music as an artist, but there were also many songs here that were, in a way, going to waste. It was actually her friend Katy Perry who encouraged her to just release some herself. Thanks, Katy Perry. I mean, she's got some good jams. I don't hate Katy Perry as much as I used to. I think it's because she's a little bit more like honest about her mental health. And I'm like, I'm a sucker for that. I'm like, oh,
1: yeah, I feel you. Be
0: honest about that. I like that. So that's what she did. In 2016, she released This Is Acting. Call that because these were very pop heavy songs written for others that she didn't feel were reflective of her own thoughts and feelings. Singing them felt kind of like play acting. And she ended up having a lot of fun recording it that way. And the album contains her first number one single, Cheap Thrills, which is unfortunately the version, though, that has Sean Paul on it that's kind of obnoxious.
1: I have never heard this song in my life.
0: I love cheap thrills. Maybe
1: I don't need dollar bills to have fun tonight. I have never heard this song in my life. I love cheap thrills. I didn't do my homework for this. episode. I, I actually really liked <laughs> Cheap
0: Thrills before it became a single and it was played all the fucking time. I actually really did jam to the song. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, it has got, like, a handful of legit, great, like, poppy dance jams that, like, you could put on when you're cleaning your house and be like, yeah, cleaning my house.
1: <laughs> I only clean my house to Norwegian black metal, so I don't know what you're talking about. I usually about. do electronica anyway, but <laughs> I'm kidding. We digress.
0: <laughs> I, I actually do not
1: think you're kidding. <laughs> I might not be. I at least listen to a whole lot of goth metal when I clean my house. There so. you go. really get that aesthetic going. Mm. I'm real mad about it. And I need music that reflects that.
0: <laughs> Even though this isn't really what she wanted, Sia does seem to be handling it better than she did before. Instead of falling back into old habits, she tries to stay on top of her mental health. Which led her to discovering that her bipolar diagnosis was incorrect. Oh. A couple years ago, she revealed that she suffers from a neurological disease called neuralgia, which affects her nerves and causes, like, chronic pain in her face.
1: That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And on top of that, she has Ehlers-Danlos. It's a disease that affects the joints. Also, on top of that, throw on a nice acute
1: case of complex PTSD. Yeah this makes sense yeah yeah i kind of feel like in the early 2000s when like doctors really understood that mental health was a thing Mm -hmm. um and people started realizing like uh something's wrong here and i need to figure out what it is Mm -hmm. there was a big rush to diagnose anybody and everybody with bipolar disorder mm. that was like the blanket turn. that was like the ibs of the gastrointestinal <laughs> like ibs and uh bipolar disorder yes. disorder were like on par with each other <laughs> it was like the blanket diagnosis that you could just toss anybody under throw a bunch of drugs at them fixed all done yeah and it's like no there's a lot of like deeper issues going on here that yeah. Deserve a a closer look and a better diagnosis.
0: Yeah, I think doctors are getting a little bit better about taking their time and being more patient yeah. with diagnosing. Yeah. So,
1: but credit where it's due, Sia is
0: open about all of her issues and will talk about her life as a way to reach out to others who may also be going through similar things. Mm-hmm. You know, she's very encouraging, especially with like the gay community, and she just wants, you know, everyone to feel comfortable coming out. She's very open about her mental illnesses and her struggles and, like, all the shit that she's had to go through so that other people can see, like, you know, you can work through it. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't know. I do like watching her in interviews because she just seems like a regular person who's just, yeah, no, you know, let's talk about it. And if she gets a little uncomfortable, like, I'd rather not talk about it. And then she just moves on. She's not a bitch about it or anything. She's just, you know, whatever. She was on Howard Stern, and Howard Stern made her cry because he fucking was,
1: hate Howard but Stern. But like,
0: it was it was very interesting because all it do, all it is sometimes is like when people compliment her a lot and like tell her talented, she she gets upset. Like again, this is what I was meaning about like her really bad imposter syndrome. Like she really doesn't believe, yeah, that she has talent or worth, and I think that's just something she's still working through. Mm-hmm.
1: But, but also I hate Howard Stern. I mean, like, yeah, just I'm not trying like, to give him credit. I would just yeah. mean, but. Howard Stern is garbage. Okay.
0: (laughs) But she does try to keep some things under wraps. Mainly, her two sons, who she adopted a couple years ago, at the ages of 18, as they were about to age out of the foster care system. Apparently, she saw them in a documentary, and it broke her heart to hear their stories, and she just wanted to help them. So a year later, one of them has already made her a grandmother, and she realizes that it's her job to keep their business out of the press. Yeah. (laughs) So she adopted two 18-year-old boys. That is, like, what? She always wanted to be a mom, but she did have a marriage to Eric Anders for a little while, filmmaker. And um that didn't last. She basically doesn't feel like relationships are something that she's going to have long-term commitments for. But she always wanted kids. Uh And for her, it's like she's at this height of fame like she can help other kids so when she saw these kids aging out of the foster care system and about the shit hand that they've been dealt with she was like i can come in and i can help them i have the resources i have the money they can live better comfortable lives and don't have to just be thrown out in the streets because they aged out of a fucking foster care system Mm -hmm. so and she's very active now with black lives matter because they're their Her kids are boys of color. Mm-hmm. Men of color, I should say. They are grown-ass adults. Yeah. I call them boys. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, she doesn't talk too much about it, though, so I couldn't find a ton about it because I think, like, she kind of realized, like, oh, shit, I really shouldn't talk about them. I want them to, like, have nice, comfortable lives. I don't yeah, want them to be, like, known as as kids. And
1: also, like, avoid the whole white savior trope. Right, right, right. Because, like... That, that wasn't her intention. N- right. But you could definitely get that impression from her. Especially oh, yeah. with like the pushback she's getting now. People could look at that and be like, Oh, wait, save your bitch. You just swoop in and, you know, scoop up these men of color and just help them because you have all the money. Yeah. She could totally get that. She could. Um Yeah, I mean she just keeps working
0: nonstop instead, you know, in the past two years she put out a Christmas album. She collaborated with other artists, put out an album with Labyrinth and Diplo as the group LSD. Get it? LSD. It's not very good. I listened to some of songs. So I was like, this isn't very good. Yeah. I'm gonna, I mean, maybe it's good and it's just not for me, but either way. seems like a big, fat groan. She's even written and directed her own movie called Music about a woman Oof. who has to care for her sister who is high on the autism spectrum.
1: Mm-hmm. And who
0: boy did that movie fall under controversy and did she Mm. not handle it well she didn't so let me lay it on the line she makes this movie she's really excited about it all that came out was the trailer and the autistic community were like you didn't do this right Mm -hmm. and I will say I don't have a dog in this fight because I don't have anything on the spectrum I'm not that close to anyone who is severely on the spectrum yeah so I don't have to deal with this in my daily life I'm sure that people who do have so many valid stories and points to make in this. Yeah. So they come out with some backlash like this doesn't look right. It's mainly because she ended up casting Maddie as the autistic girl. And Maddie is not autistic. That's, and that's not cool. Kind of you know? nepotism. It Well it's not even just nepotism. I mean I actually if it, if it was a movie where she wasn't autistic I'd be like whatever of course she cast Maddie. Yeah. The bigger problem is that she casted a non-autistic yes. actor. So everyone's like, why couldn't you just cast an autistic actor? And like anywhere on the spectrum. And she comes back and says, you know, I tried to cast this lovely girl who was nonverbal, but it was too stressful for her. So we decided not to continue. And then I put Maddie in the place instead. And then people are like, no, that's bullshit. You could have just cast a different autistic actor and, you know, she just went to town saying, you know, basically, you guys don't even know, and I worked really hard on this, and it was a passion project for her because it was based on a friend that she has who is on the spectrum.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you could tell she was just hurt and, like, confused. Like, why doesn't anyone like my movie? And it's, like, also slightly out of touch because yeah. then, you know, there were some people saying, hey, you could have cast me in the role because I'm autistic. And, she, like... Or something. Basically, it was like... Basically, like, you didn't look hard enough. Yeah, and she said, well, maybe you're a
1: bad actor. And it's <gasps> like, oh, no no, 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 no. That is 100% no, a defensive reaction, no. oh, and you no. shouldn't have said that. Like, why did you even
0: respond? You should just had, like, a fucking publicist respond yes. for you. Either this is way. why,
1: also, Twitter is horrible. Twitter's
0: the worst. Like, why are you even, why are you even there? So, what had happened later... That was like the biggest shittiest controversy, and that's when I saw them like, "Fuck!" Now I can't do Sia. And again, like, in the worlds of shitty behavior, we have covered much worse. Oh yeah. So I was like, Definitely. yeah, you know, and I can still talk about her because we've talked about shitty men. Yeah. Why not talk about shitty women? Anyway. But
1: also, she's not that shitty. So it's not. Well, so so it's here's
0: not that but here's shitty. what happened. So then the Golden Globe nominations come out, or the Oscars. I don't know. I don't care. Not going to get Golden into it. Golden
1: Globes because the Oscars have not happened yet.
0: The Golden Globes are a thing, mm-hmm. apparently. <laughs> they The nominations came out and music's been nominated mm-hmm. for a couple things. Um, apparently, Kate Hudson's performance is quite good in it. And um, I think like best musical or comedy. And people were pissed. But it came out, too, that there's a scene in the movie that is has a very controversial, restrictive like a restriction method that like sometimes people use on autistic people like mm-hmm. you basically like make them prone and kind of like cross their arms and get on top mm-hmm. of them so they can't move mm-hmm. and it's, it's you know you don't do that mm-hmm. you can't do that that's fucked up yeah. on a lot of levels and that's in the movie yes now i will bring this aspect in there as well see it did work closely with Autism Speaks, which I did not know this. Autism Speaks is a shitty organization because there's no real autistic people running it. Oh, cool. (laughs) So she was getting bad advice. Mm -hmm. She was being told from people who like either are slightly on the spectrum or not on the spectrum at all. Like, oh, this is fine. Oh, yeah, this works. Oh, yes, this makes sense. Like the people who were giving her notes were not the right people she should have been using. Yeah,
1: no. And this all sounds bad.
0: Yeah, so basically once all that came out and, like, there was a big uproar about her being nominated, she came out and said, I'm really sorry. Uh, We are wiping that scene out of any future showings of that movie or any future, like, I didn't know. I was given bad advice. I should have listened to the community more. I should have listened to you more. I'm very sorry. And she shut down her Twitter. And basically, you know, I think it's just trying to be quiet about it because she realizes she fucked up.
1: Yeah. On a lot of levels. The only thing I have to say about these like Golden Globe nominations and Oscar nominations is first of all, 2020 is a complete anomaly because no movies came out. Because no fucking movies came out. So who are they going to nominate? Yeah. First of all. Second of all, when it comes to the Golden Globes and especially the Oscars, Mm -hmm. They, the, the Academy, the group of people that nominate these movies, the actors, the actresses and everything. Yeah. They are not doing it of their own free will. They're not doing this because they saw these movies. They thought these performances were great. So they're putting these people in the ring to be nominated. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. No. What happens is that the actors, the directors, like, people, the producers, they campaign to have these movies and these actors and actresses nominated for these awards. Mm. So it's not necessarily that people, like, on the Academy of Foreign Films or whatever the fuck it is, (laughs) whoever the fuck the group is that, you know, is responsible for the golden globes it's only like a handful of people it's like 50 people yeah that's it for the golden globes it's like 50 people they're all anonymous you don't know who they are right you campaign fucking hard okay for your nomination you campaign fucking hard Mm. for your statue oh to win god that feels especially what like (laughs) Especially for the Academy Awards, like, it is not who did the best performance. It is who campaigned the fucking hardest. Mm -hmm. It's who sent bribes to those people the hardest. It's the ones that went to, like, bought them, you know, expensive dinners and some really expensive champagne. So, if anything, like, the production company was just
0: like, hey, put our movie there so we can have an Academy Award on this movie. That's,
1: like, how the phrase for your consideration became popular is because production... Companies would send out little like snippets of the best performances of the movies that they produce that year. And they will send it to the Academy and be like, this is for your consideration. The best performance of the best movie of the best actress or the best actor. And we want you to nominate this person. And that's how they choose their nominations. That is how they choose who wins is who campaigns the hardest after they get nominated because their production company sent them the best clips of the best movies so overall
0: i mean and that was a thought that definitely ran through my head a lot too doing all the research for this part was who
1: cares what the golden globes right like Like, it's not of course they're gonna reward this right because it was
0: exactly the the shit that they fucking eat up yeah
1: it was one of the only movies that was released in 2020 yeah and it has some kind of heartbreaking you know tugs on the heartstrings kind of message to it these
0: people who make the nominations in the golden globes still
1: think rain man is a good movie right (laughs) so i mean that's the thing they still think that what's eating gilbert grape is like Not offensive? Not offensive and just peak fucking cinematic mastery. This is what we're working with. Yeah. This is the academy that we are working with. Yeah. It doesn't
0: condone any of this. And, like, Sia's initial reaction was fucking terrible. But (laughs) what I want to focus on more is just she's clearly trying to learn from it. Mm -hmm. She has not tripled down. She has backpedaled. And this is where I lay out with cancel culture. I'm like, if all we do, if we decide, like, we can never forgive Sia because she fucked up once, even though she has backtracked and said, I'm sorry, I fucked up. I didn't mean to do this. Why in the world do people want to get better? Like, we have to be a little bit more um, compassionate mm-hmm. when it comes to people. Instead of just, like, burning everyone at the fucking stake, you should approach things more like, Well,
1: why do you think that? And where were you coming from? But I think it's a little more subtle than that. The decision of who is worth doing that with, I guess. Right. Well, I think at the end of the day, too, it comes down to how egregious is this act? How egregious is it? And also take the person into consideration. Mm -hmm. I think it also depends on the person and their character. Yeah. And and I agree. Totally. Any... Slightly perceptive person I think can figure out whether a person is going to be open to changing their mind mm-hmm. or not. And if they're not, I don't have a problem with just being like, "All right, fuck you then, I'm done." Right. And that's I guess how I
0: translate that to this current
1: She know, seems like scenario. somebody who is 100% willing to get the facts and recalculate her thinking. And listen, yeah. So I guess it just comes down to I just Can we stop
0: canceling everyone because they fucked up once?
1: Yeah. Not everybody needs to be canceled.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm just really over it. And, like, again, separating the artist from the art, I don't think that this fuck up that she has apologized for
1: counterbalances against, like, all she's done in music. Yeah. It's like. Cancel culture has become so pervasive yeah, that even when we're not canceling things, everyone thinks we're canceling things. Well, and then also, too, like, then you feel like
0: a responsibility to like, oh, this person did something wrong. I guess I have to cancel them now, right? Right. It's but exhausting. Do- and
1: then, then you question yourself, like, but do we cancel? Is this a cancelable, egregious thing? And then you get tired and you're like, you know what? I'm going to go take a
0: nap. Yeah. It's, it's a musician who... Fucked up and apologized for it. Right. I don't know.
1: Anyway, I'm, also, I'm. Nobody's forcing you to watch the movie, so. No, just don't watch the movie. Just don't don't watch support it. it. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, I'm
0: fucking over that. We've done it. We talked about it. It's yeah. over. Yep. So.
1: That's it.
0: Yeah, here we are <laughs> with me being like, yeah, well, we can talk about shitty ladies. I'm like, I actually don't even think she is shitty. Yeah. And after, like, reading she... her
1: story, like, she just. Is a lot. She very much could have handled the backlash oh, better. Yup. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think she realized, oh, fuck, I did a fucked up thing. Yeah. um, Shouldn't have reacted that way. I'm sorry. Yep. So anyway, we're moving
0: on. Yeah. Overall, Sia seems to be a person who is forever stuck between doing the things she loves, but also living the life she wants. She will never be a private figure again. She's paying the price for fame, but she won't stop trying to find a balance between the two. She strikes me as one of the few people in the music biz who tries to be her authentic self and wears her heart on her sleeve. Sometimes that gets her in trouble, but she tries to learn from those missteps too. That's called being human. She is a human. She is, we are born. Yeah. <laughs> we are. <laughs> And all of these experiences clearly make themselves known in her music, which has changed so much from her days of singing in pubs down under. She's a pretty amazing talent, able to write songs in minutes and run the gamut of genres. There's probably at least one Sia song out there for you, and that's not something you can say about most artists. Yeah. So give her a little credit. Yeah,
1: I agree. And also shine bright like a diamond. Mm -hmm. Okay chandelier <laughs> breathe me chandelier diamonds <laughs> I know suck uh, ch- see ya cheap thrills
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh but <bitty> a bum bum <laughs> Sean Paul why but yeah that's my story on Sia she is still a presence she's still doing music and making
1: it known she's still very much should be respected as a very talented songwriter yeah period there you go and that's I think that's, that's good, good enough. Good enough. Good enough. Yeah. So here
0: it goes, kids. There you go. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you appreciated it and learned something. Maybe have a little new appreciation for pop music, or you're like, God damn it, this was terrible. Fuck you guys. And I'm like, it is what it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh but yes, if you enjoyed this and want to get in on other episodes that aren't pop because we this is probably one of the most modern episodes we have yeah honestly yeah but we talk about a lot of old people too you can head over to our website (laughs) www.rockcandypodcast.com and you can get old episodes you can toss us an email if you feel like it you can also follow us on our social meds we got instagram facebook and twitter so
1: yeah go hit us up you want to give us some of your money that would be great. Money's cool. Um, You can do that at Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. And depending on how much money you get or give us depends on <laughs> what you get in return. But also speaking of Patre- <gasps> Patreon, we have a new patron. Yeah, we do. Yay. Bow, 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 bow. Bow. Danny B, thank you so much. Danny B. For your hard earned cash. We, we appreciate, appreciate it. it. Love you. And you have some stuff coming your way, so, you so hopefully I will remember to fucking mail it. Yeah, hold I on have. to your butt. Hold on to your butts, because you know you're getting stuff. It's gonna, it might be a while. But stuff. You're not getting butt stuff. No, <laughs> but you're but you are getting stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Is that All too right. far? Too <laughs> far. We're punchy and. I think that's, I think we're good on this yep. now. But uh, yeah, why don't you guys come back next week for another story, another, another lady story happening. More ladies, more stories. Yeah. Much yeah. ladies, more stories. Yeah, that's what we're doing right now. Fight us.
1: Not anyway. gonna. All
0: right, cool. Happy well,
1: International Women's Day.
0: Yeah, way to be ladies, ladies. Way to have vaginas. And,
1: or not. Or not. You know what? Way to you Way to what? feel like a woman. Yeah. Hey, you feel you like feel a woman. like a woman. And way that's to great. Way to Shania Twain it all over this place. Hell yeah. <laughs> and with that, party on Ashley. Party on Maggie.
0: And party on you crazy kids out there.
1: I come from a land down
0: under. do. <laughs> I do come from a land down under.